Hi, and welcome to episode two of Trans Talks with me, Branwen Mann. I am so excited for you to hear today's episode. Um, my friend Dee drove all the way from East Wales to come and spend the day with me, which was absolutely wonderful. We had a great conversation. Dee told me all about their amazing, and as far as I know, unique gender identity, and the fascinating philosophical journey they took to find it. Um, we also talked a lot about all different kinds of intersectionality and how sexuality can inform gender identity. So stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. Hi Dee, it's so nice to see you. Hey Bronwyn, I'm really so happy to be here. I'm so happy yeah. you're here. When you Absolutely. said you didn't mind driving all the way across Wales to be interviewed, I was elated. Well, you've got little baby horses at the back of your house, which I saw on Facebook, so I was definitely going to... <laughs> we did watch a little yeah. bit of drama we... unfolding with yeah. the ponies just now, but... Can we not talk about We that? won't go into that, yeah. no. <laughs> um, it was a little bit of background. We've only met once in real life, although yeah. I feel like we've known each other forever and are really good friends, which I don't know how that... It happens, but anyway, it was so good to know that I was going to actually see you again, and hopefully we won't have such a long gap. Yeah, I think it was we were at the wedding of a lovely mutual friend of ours, yeah. and I think it might be about eight years ago. I think so, yeah. But we've had lots of conversations yeah. um, over the ether, haven't we? We have, yeah. and yes. since you've been here this morning, we've discovered all sorts of things that I didn't realise we had in common, and oh. it's really exciting. And we've been reciting some Star Wars dialogue. Yeah, you can't be a bit kind of thing. So. I was very impressed yeah. with your hatties. Yeah. I know that a lot of the listeners are going to be Star Wars fans, so... Definitely. <laughs> that just doesn't surprise me at all. Okay, to kick it off, I usually ask people to just tell me a bit about yourself, like who you are, you can tell me uh, anything you like about yourself, what you like, what you do. Okay. Well, um, my name is Dee, but I have lots of different names. So um, my family and some old friends call me Denise, which was the name I was given um, by my mum and dad when I was born. Um, some people call me Dar because my name is Denise Audrey Rogers. Some people call me Denny. Um, and so basically I'm, I'm saying this because they all feel like they belong to the people that call me it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've lived I've lived a few lives, I feel, in in, in different um areas. So I'm so I'm all of these people. I grew up in Newcastle, I'm a Geordie. Um by a, a it's another long story for another po- podcast, but I end up going to Oxford University because a, a Marxist uh, chaplain let me in there with very bad <laughs> Uh, A-level results, but I, I lived in Oxford for about nine years. Um, and then my partner at the time got a, some funding to do a PhD in Swansea, so I came to live in Wales, and I've been in Wales ever since. And I love it, and I consider myself a Welsh Geordie yeah. now. Um, yeah, I've been lots of things, a social worker, a researcher. There's definitely a twinge of Welsh accent in your well, accent. Yes. I don't think I knew you came from Newcastle, and when... Yeah. We've started speaking today. I hadn't heard your voice for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, it's D Welsh. But I, then I realised you're well, Geordie. But... I'm going up to see my mum in Newcastle next week. So if you if we'd done it afterwards, it would be much, much more, more Geordie. Yeah. It would be a lot more like that, you yeah. know. But, but yeah, I mean, I've lived here a long time. I'm surrounded by Welshies. And um, yeah, I guess there's a little sort of lilt there, isn't there now? Yeah, so, definitely. Which I'm quite happy about. That's yeah. okay. Um Okay, this podcast is called Trans Talks, and ostensibly it's about people under the trans umbrella, whatever that means, um, an ever-moving community of people. Um, I'm really interested to hear about your experience uh, with your gender identity. Um, I appreciate that you're not what people stereotypically think of as being trans, Um and you're not alone among my interviewees. I'm purposefully interviewing people beyond just trans men and trans women. So um, I'm fascinated hearing more about your perspective. I know we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Could you um, sort of describe your how you perceive your gender identity? I have a few words. I love language and mm. I like words. And um, words can kind of hem you in, but they can also be very freeing. 
Um, I, I would first and foremost see myself as a person of difference. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I just, um, I feel kinship with other people of difference. And yeah. I, you know, by definition, we're all very different. And that would include my, my gender identity. Um, I'd see myself as a queer person, yeah. which is in some ways another way of saying a person of difference. Yeah. Um, and that's... That would be my gender, um, my sexual orientation, but just the way I live in the world is quite queer, as in other. It's it's different to to the norm. Yeah. In in many respects, um, but the term I'm using to describe my gender is, at the minute is post-binary. That's partly because I'm contrary, and I <laughs> I always like to you know keep it fresh mix it and mix it up and. Um, come up with with new ways of understanding myself and myself in the world. So probably, I can't remember, Bramwood, but I think it was about four years ago, um, I started to see myself as non-binary. Now, um, you know, my relationship with my gender goes back to the my earliest memory. So that wasn't new, but it was kind of coming across, sometimes you come across a word or yeah, a yeah, concept. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I said, oh yeah, that that describes me. But the reason I've kind of like, I haven't ditched it, but I've kind of, I prefer post-binary is because I've gone on to meet and, and talk with a, a lot of non-binary people and we have such very different um, histories and journeys to that term. Yeah. And for some non-binary people I've met, um, there was an element of body dysphoria, yeah. which I didn't share yeah. in that way. For some people, they'd lived in a in a heteronormative world, as a on, on the surface of it, a heterosexual woman, for a time I never have done that, so yeah. I didn't kind of relate to that. And also, I think young people—I'm fifty-four. Young people are much more easy about, you know, gender and um, sexual orientation and non-binary. Perhaps meant something to them um, that it was different. Anyway, I decided I needed a different term, and I could have chosen a gender really because. Yeah. Um, that's more or less, you know, I don't identify as a, a man or, or a woman. Um, and in a way, I never have done, though. I didn't have the words or the, or the yeah, kind of yeah. consciousness to understand that. Um, but I like post-binary because it's kind of, I guess it's um, about my orientation to the world at large yeah. and myself in it, that I would love to live in a world where we're not kind of hemmed in to particular ideas of who we are, who we must be, who we've always been. Did you... Cre- come up with that i did i made it up but i have to say it kind of i went back to uni after a lot of years being out of uni and i and i came across a lot of um new ideas through sort Mm. of sociology queer theory um, and so that and this notion of post-structural thinking so this is very it kind of it's very complicated for me anyway and hard to understand but at the same time as soon as i started reading this stuff i you know when you yeah. have a feeling like i kind of get it and i understand it, and it makes sense of me um so yeah there was something about yeah the idea of living in a post binary world which is not um at all to diss the importance of of binary gender yeah. identities yeah. and what yeah, that yeah. gives people but for me personally it's never been a, a very kind of happy relationship. So I like that idea of um, living in that world, really. When I was researching who I was going to approach, um, you know, it's derived from my sort of social media community, I guess. And I went through my friends list on Facebook is where I kind of started and, and on Instagram and, and like picking out names of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, they don't conform and to the gender or whatever you know trying to find people who are kind of queer in different ways and when I looked at your bio on your Instagram and saw the phrase post-binary I had that moment of like oh my god that like they just blew my brains out in kind of like a resonance <laughs> beyond all resonances of like I do 100% appreciate that we're in this period of flux of change and since well, the 20th century, really, onwards, you know, defining categories and, you know, people to joke about the alphabet of LGBTQIA, mm. where else do we mm. go? Um, every young, and, and the more that gets added into the community and the more different identities and the more... I can see why people get frustrated about that, but I can also see the importance that we need to make these definitions to show 
the otherness, the difference you're talking about, yeah, like the, yeah. being different. Yeah. Um, however, the like I had therapy about this, my need <laughs> to to fix everything now, you know, yeah. get to where we need to get to, get past all the crap and get to that good point. Mm. My heart is there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I want to be at that point, and that point to me is post-binary. And so, as soon as I saw your those words in your bio, yeah. I was like, "Where does that come yeah, from? Yeah. This person needs to be in this series." <laughs> you know, it's yeah. such a great thing. And to hear, you know, hear that that you kind of put that together. I'm really happy to hear that it resonated oh, 100% with you. And I, I know from you know with lovely conversations we've had this morning that. Um, even though, you know, initially when you asked me, I was like, but am I a proper trans person? How do, you know, how does this work? You are a proper trans person. <laughs> I'm not a proper trans But actually, I think in terms of our view of, of the world, we have a lot in common and a lot of um, shared understanding. Definitely. And I think some of it is, you know, for me to say post-binary is about a, a hope and a, and a wish rather than part of my essential identity. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we've only got the words at our disposal at any one time so both you and I I'm a little bit older than you but we grew up kind of in the 80s um, at a time when language was so limited in terms of not just gender but our sexual orientation lots of other things about us were so limited Um, so I guess you know I've I've, um, met people I've read things I've been lucky to you know go to uni and be exposed to certain ideas so that term is kind of an acknowledgement it's not it's not saying this is an essential thing in me, but it's like it, it kind of reflects this journey that I've been on and how I would like the world to be. And I think yeah. it's a, it's, it's a, a kinder vision. I, it's I think. an aspirational. It's an aspiration. Aspirational yeah. term. Or, yeah, I think. It is. Yeah, I mean, like, I've already learned so much about myself from it's me, me, me. Like <laughs> my point oh, of doing this it. podcast this year <laughs> is because last year I did the me, me, me show, which was me talking about being trans, and I wanted to kind of open that up. But actually, it has taught me so much about myself, like speaking to different people, and I'm pretty sure I'm contradicting myself in each interview at times because my view is changing of myself. You know, I'm like discovering things so quickly that in one interview I'm defining myself as something and then, like, I still label myself as a trans woman. Um, I mean, there are many reasons why I still do that. Part of it is just because it helps in, like, living legally in this country and, like, the structure of our society now accommodates trans women, um, whereas other gender identities not so much. So I'm kind of, like, I suppose clinging to it in that way. But also as a political thing, and like I feel it's almost like I'm being an activist by being a trans woman at the moment because of the climate (laughs) of what's going on and like standing on the hill of trans women, we're going to hold together and like see this through. But really, like I, my heart is where you're describing that kind of aspirational place where like gender identity no longer like is tied to anything and we're all individuals with our own particular nuance and shade and that is so beautiful and 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 the phrase post-binary just summarizes that so so well to me um can we just hurry up and get there though please yeah i think it's going to take a little bit longer but we're heading in the right direction yeah i think yeah so you you use they them pronouns i do yeah yeah have you ever like considered other like i know there were other pronouns to do with like breaking the binary in the past yeah not not really i mean and also most people ignore uh my request for the for those pronouns it's just you know quite interesting um and i just felt i just feel it it works i mean it's funny because sometimes you know i said i invented this term (laughs) i like language but with the pronouns, I mean, there's lots of pronouns, as you say, but I was, I'm was i perfectly happy with yeah. they. It is grammatically correct. It yes. works, works Let's fine. Let's establish that. Um, it works. But, yeah, most people that I know ignore it. I've, I'm lucky. My, my partner gets my yeah. gender. That's wonderful. My housemate, who I live with, gets it, and some very dear friends do. But I'd say that most people ignore it and so I'm still she her and do you know what Brahman it's like it doesn't hurt or anything like that it just it feels like they've pronounced my name wrong or something you know it's yeah. like fine like I know you're talking about me it's not a problem yeah yeah but it doesn't uh, fit that's interesting yeah I wonder if that's like there's something maybe there about like finding you found some peace with your gender so that the actual terminology doesn't really get to you because I know like with 
trans women and trans men yeah. who are part of a binary in that sense, I guess. Yeah. Most of the trans men and women I know, it does hurt. Like if somebody yes. misgenders us, and of course it happens all the time. Yeah. You know, I've been transitioning for 17 years and I still get misgendered often, especially by mm-hmm. people who've known me for a long time or knew me pre-transition or whatever. And it does have a really awful physical mm-hmm. effect mm-hmm. on me. Um, but maybe there's something in that about like maybe I'm still searching for some kind of peace or like I don't know that's interesting yeah I mean it's lovely when people do use it my uh, nieces do and it's really wonderful it's a a nice feeling I've occasionally misgendered myself I do like I referred to myself fairly recently as a menopausal woman you know it just comes out of because I've had you know 50 years of using a certain type of language so I'm definitely sympathetic to people um, getting it yeah. a bit wrong. Yeah. And that feels very different to people um, sometimes just um, not having a curiosity and just deciding the whole thing's a load of rubbish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I understand it's... I think people are... Compli- this is my philosophy for life, Brahman. People are complicated and life is very complicated. So, that, that, you know, it's not straightforward. But what hurts me more is when people are having an absolute lack of curiosity yeah, and yeah. a determination that, you know, they're just going to hang on to to these kind of rigid language structures yeah. and yeah. social structures. And that hurts me more. But I get, I, I totally understand if you transition from yeah. one gender to another, it's very, very important. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's weird. It's funny. It's always baffled me because I think pre-trans me would have not understood it's, I don't know, it's a, a whole different experience, mm. I guess. Um, and it's impossible to explain. We still haven't got the terminology and the, the understanding mm. of it because it's not been in the kind of the main understanding yeah. or mainstream understanding for, yeah. for quite a short amount of time. Yeah. And then I guess for people that don't have friends or, or, yeah. or um, yeah. friends that are like broadly under that umbrella... They're sometimes getting their information from media outlets or, you know, yeah. from social media or whatever. And um, it's often, as we know, sadly, coming yeah. with a very negative yeah. um, side to it. I, You know, I've heard people say, it's just everywhere. It's just dominates absolutely <laughs> yeah. everywhere. It doesn't. It doesn't no, in, it in the real world. But maybe they're, they've got a certain feed on their Twitter that means there's a, there's it's a dominate. Like, yeah, mismatch between the real world and the online world. My experience, maybe it's because of where I live or maybe I'm just lucky and I'm surrounded by good people, but the the vast majority of people mm. are, you know, in real life, they are considerate. And if you ask them to use a pronoun or whatever, they, they're they not going to purposefully try and, yeah. you know, be difficult with you. They're going to look for like the easy life yeah. as well. The yeah. easy kind of interaction yeah. is what most people are striving for. Whereas online there's much more of a divisive thing about yeah. it and you're yeah. more likely to encounter um, incels or, or like trolls that purposefully go yes, out of their yeah. way to derail yeah. conversations yeah. about things like this yeah. that, that would not happen in re- yeah. real life. People are much more respectful. Yeah, in definitely. Life. I think another thing, Ron, when thinking about whether it hurts or it doesn't hurt, mm. is that this the whole journey for me was really one of self-understanding like just wanting to understand why I had struggled in different ways and it goes hand in hand I think my kind of uh, gender awareness with identifying or or coming to an understanding that I have very strong autistic traits so this is about understanding and in a sense I'm kind of used to people not being on the same wavelength with me so if they're not seeing who I want to be it's not that distressing to me it was much more important that I kind of understand um you know difficulties that I had in my childhood you know growing up and quite recently so there's a lot of peace in the language around um, kind of yeah, post-binary language, person of difference, queerness, and autism as well, neurodivergence. So all of the, those terms they bring me personally peace. It's okay if people aren't that interested. Yeah. I mean, I'm my own special interest. I have other ones as well, lots of them. But I'm interested in like how, why have I struggled? Why have I ended up here? Um, and so all this language really helps me to do that, and it's it's great. So. I feel people are missing out if they don't want to join in a yeah. lovely language debate and, you know, come on a journey of <laughs> There's something really beautiful about that. I was going to ask about, like, in my kind of vague plan, which I never stick to in these interviews, 
one part of it is about the concept of transition, which obviously when I'm talking to trans women or trans men, that's something that we all share um, in different ways. You know, we all transition in different ways. But there is this shared experience of transitioning. But with people who aren't transitioning from one side of the binary to the other, I'm interested, like, the way you're describing your experience of, like, finding where you are, finding that kind of peace with yourself, does that have any sense of transition to it? Or, or do you just not relate to transition at I've all? I've thought a lot about this, you know, since... You asked me because I thought, you know, am I any... I've always been the same. I've always been the same. So I've tried to... And then I start to think about it. And of course, you know, I was assigned female at birth, obviously. Um, and I'm in the prison <laughs> of heteronormative gender yeah. understandings. Um, and, um, you know, I'd never had... I mean, do, do I have body dysphoria like most human beings do, but not in terms of its relationship to, to my, my gender, um, but always feeling so deeply uncomfortable and fighting against that, you know, from a very young age, thinking, why why is pink a girl's colour and boy blue's yeah. colour? Why don't girls do woodwork or metalwork? Yeah. It never made sense to me, you know, which I put down to an autistic trait of kind of like dismantling, being curious about analysing yeah, yeah. Um, from, a, from a kind of standard back position, with social structures. Um so initially I thought, no, I've just, I just found the word, but then I've thought about it and actually, you know, there was a time where I thought I am never wearing a, a skirt again mm. um, unless it's to dress up like or for an experimentation or for fun <laughs> yeah, or yeah, to yeah. drag up or something <laughs> like that, but I'm not doing it anymore. And that wasn't that long ago. And I think definitely finding the word non-binary initially about four years ago I think in terms of my clothing, that like the it's probably quite subtle. Yeah. But I'm I feel more me, and I'm even having to dress up like one of the jobs. I've got a few jobs. One involves me having to look a bit smart, but it's <laughs> a all, proper job. A proper job, but it's all done online, so yeah. I can wear um, whatever the hell I want, you know, from, <laughs> from the waist down. But even with that, I'm not wearing a jacket that I don't feel right, and I'm finding a version of clothes that kind of suit me so I think that has changed so I, I think there definitely has been a sort of sped up transition yeah. and I think also my hair you know I used to think I had unusual hair and now every time I meet a non-binary person they've got exactly the same haircut <laughs> like I'm so boring now and so I'm normative now like my worst nightmare but I think definitely there are probably having like my tattoo of a pylon Bromwell, I mean come on and a pigeon um, you know, there are certain things where I think, yeah, I do feel really free, actually, yeah. Yeah. from the pressure to try and be a woman and be a... I feel I was a bit crap. Other people might disagree, but I just felt so awkward within that, and I don't anymore because I've given up on it. So yeah. I guess that's some of uh, of that transition. Though other people, you see, might not observe much going on, no. which is very different yeah, yeah. for you. Well, you know? sort of, but it's... And it boils down to the same thing, I think. Um, and actually, I think you've just defined the fact that you are under the trans umbrella. You know, that's part of my experience as a trans woman is like feeling like I didn't fit in what I was, you know, trying to be male, yeah. as, you know, as a young person. And you've kind of described that. Then it might not have been such an extreme change or whatever, but it is still, there is still definitely a thread mm. there that's similar. And some of what you said, it felt like, yeah, I've heard other trans people say that, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so it is a lot more subtle. It's more nuanced. Yeah. Maybe. I think it's interesting. You were talking about like heteronormativity and growing up in that and like growing up in the 80s and even the 90s where things were much more pigeonholed as far as um, gender went. You yeah. know, there were gender diverse people there but we didn't know about yeah. them very much or they were difficult to like we saw pop stars who were yeah. you know gender non-conforming yeah. but we didn't really we couldn't really relate to them because they were pop stars and we didn't have that kind of freedom to explore that within ourselves because yeah. our society just didn't really yeah. cater for it but we were discussing earlier on about young people and how they they are much more adept at like understanding this stuff and generally speaking yeah yeah. Um, many of the young people I know who I've worked with as a teacher or a theatre maker or whatever, they just seem to have this fluency and and like 
kind of comfort in these issues about gender Definitely. identity and sexuality as well yeah, yeah. that we never had at school. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's my experience with um, several very beloved young people in my life. They all have that in common. Yeah. Um, they're just uber comfortable. Yeah. You know, I've recently started playing the bass guitar. They just think I'm cool now, you know, <laughs> playing the bass guitar. Got some tattoos, you know, like got a cool head. Like there's no issue no, whatsoever. No. Um, but, you know, what I sometimes would say to some of them, if the, you know, if the conversation arose is I, I would like to remind young people that when I was growing up, like I was born in 1969, right? So I'm like a, um, in school, I'm a teenager all through the 80s. And I'm from a working class background, right? My um, nana got the Sun newspaper. My dad got the news of the world. I didn't realise, I didn't um, think this is right-wing propaganda coming into the house. I thought that was just the news, the but news. as we all did in yeah. the family, we just thought it was the news. The and basically the language at my disposal was man or woman, that's yeah. it, and then gay, straight or bi. And the only good one is straight, yeah. um, which I, I didn't think I wasn't straight, but I knew I was rubbish straight. <laughs> I just, just rubbish, can't flirt, not doing, not you know, can't pull anybody. Like rubbish at that. And the negativity in those papers and, um, you know, just in the media generally about these awful gay people, greedy bi people, mm. these terrible lesbians adopting children from the, you know, lefty, loony London councils yeah. around them to do that, these awful men with their disgusting lifestyle. And then, of course, you had, like, a few beloved characters, the Larry Graysons. Yeah, yeah. Lovely people. Like, like I love Julian Clary. That's a bit... Yeah. You know, there were some positive people, but it was it was so narrow. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember any lesbians at all. No, no, you know, so it was not. just... Um, so my kind of development of self-understanding took a while as language became more mm. available to me. Yeah. Um, it couldn't happen quickly. So it kind of, yeah, the language kind of shaped what was possible and how I could understand myself. And yeah. then things that happened maybe made me look for different language. But yes, I think there is a difference. Um, young people have got that language and they use they it have, beautifully yeah. and they're very comfortable with it. And, and they have social media, which we yeah, didn't have we didn't as have. well. Like TikTok yeah. and Instagram as like places where you can find your tribe really easily and yeah. share yeah. ideas and share language yeah. and create language. You know, yeah. there's a lot of this terminology that we're now using to describe different genders and different sexualities evolved online. Yeah, and, I mean, I told you my, my niece... Um, said that she sometimes gets a shock when she encounters a homophobic attitude or a transphobic attitude because all of her friends are queer in some way. Yeah. They're all absolutely cool and right on. Yeah. And most of her social media, it's a feed, you know, this yeah. is maybe a downside yeah. that you just get, she's getting lovely stuff that is yeah, all yeah. very affirming. Yeah. Um, now, you know, that's wonderful. I'm very, I'm, I'm happy that that is the case. But also, it's yeah. not like that. There are other yeah, there are. Um, spaces in life that are absolutely not like that. Yeah. It feels like there are comfort zones, which are online a lot of the time, but also people find there. We were talking about Mary's in Cardiff, yeah. um, which I've never been to, but I know many people who frequent it. And like, you need spaces like that. But as you say, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that there are unsafe spaces, yeah, yeah. probably online as much as offline. Oh, yeah, definitely. We were talking earlier before we started recording about sexuality. Do you think, mm. like, your journey with your sexuality is... Um, I mean, do you want to talk about that at all, or about how that might have informed your... Yeah, I mean, I think that the two... The, I think sexuality, gender, and neurodivergence are so intricately yeah. Um, yeah. kind of bound up. But particularly, I think, gender and sexuality in terms of horrible patriarchal sort of attitudes yeah. that kind of create that space um yeah. in terms of you know how you can see yourself and and what is looked down upon and all of that kind of thing so basically when I was growing up it never occurred to me which I find absolutely shocking now <laughs> that I might be queer <laughs> I just thought I couldn't find the right man or boy or whatever so I found like all of the boys so unattractive <laughs> that I was in school with. Like, <laughs> nothing remotely attractive. But the same for the girls, to be honest, you know. So I was always looking at, like, I don't know, like a teacher that could be of either gender yeah, yeah. Um, or 
I don't know, like um, pop stars, but yeah. not, but definitely not anyone from Duran Duran or Wham or anything like that. Paul Simon, okay. something like you know, just completely <laughs> queer. I was such a queer child, but I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have seen it in that way. Queer was a horrible slur anyway when yeah. I was growing up. But yeah, so basically I didn't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend till I was 25. Now that was a very, very lonely, I think that's one of the defining things that made me feel dreadful really about myself and utterly weird. Because you felt that you should have or that other people did have? and you Well, a combination of things. So A, it was just like, particularly as a teenager, I mean I got more at home with it really, but... Um, it was really weird. Like, you're meant to have a boyfriend, yeah, in yeah, my yeah, case. Yeah. Um, so I, And I, I didn't attract. I didn't attract um, boys. And now I can, you know, so I thought I was deeply unattractive. And now I would say I never, I didn't know how to be, a, this is what I mean, but I didn't yeah. know how to be a girl in relation to boys. Like, I think that these things are maybe invisible to mm. a lot of um heteronormative heterosexual people but to me that was really clear the coy way that girls or sometimes a loud way but it's a specific way in relation to boys and how boys were with girls and I found it horrible horrible I wanted no part of it but I did want to find someone I was lonely it's quite a romantic soul I wanted to find someone um, went through all of uni. Um, I mean, that was hard because, you know, my class difference ended up at Oxford yeah. from a working class background. Oh so there's so much going on. I think look back as well, like neurodivergent. So just feeling on the other side of the ice. I don't know whether I was under the ice and the rest of the world was above it yeah. or the other way around. And I have to say, I had some wonderful individual friends who were also people of difference, but this is how the world felt. Yeah. Um, and then when I was 25, I had a friend, a, a, a female friend, and we ended up getting together. And so my brain went to, ah, you're, you're a gay. I remember that, you're a, you're a gay, I couldn't say <laughs> lesbian. That was too much. I found that, oh, you're a gay, you're a gay, that, this all makes sense now. So I kind of lived with the idea that that made sense for a couple of years, but it didn't. It wasn't like the, mm. you know, the missing piece. Um, and I've had, I'm a serial monogamous. I don't want to be. The, I'm keeping this latest one from when I, that's <laughs> it now. That's the end of the road now for me. You've landed. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've had serious relationships with all, all women. Yeah. Um, but it's not, I realised then that it, and it's so difficult to step outside of this, but it's um, it's heteronormative people that I don't find attractive. I'm not attracted to them. So basically, obviously, but by virtue of the fact the women liked me, they were a bit queer. Yeah, quite a lot of them have been married to men, or they, <laughs> oh you know, God. I've only ever had a relationship with one lesbian, who's a lovely friend, my ex-wife. But that's mm. the only lesbian I've ever had a relationship with. <laughs> so I like these unusual people that are a bit yeah. different. And then I realised there are some. Um, AMAB, male-bodied or men, people that I can like, but not if they're remotely heteronormative. So that does happen, that has happened occasionally. So I I don't know what word I... I I mean, but we were talking about pansexual, maybe that's it. But also, I generally don't... Because the world is so dominated by heteronormativity, I don't fancy most people. There's a small pool of people. You've got your type. I could also say I'm grey sexual, demisexual, but it's a small pool. But within that pool could be anyone. So I I guess I'm I'm picky pan. Picky pan. Picky pan. There's another one for you. (laughs) I've said all along, this podcast is full of things to put on a T-shirt. I think pretty much every interview has come with a good T-shirt design. So a picky pan, I might even get one of those myself because I very much relate to that. Mm -hmm. I think that is the definition of pansexual though, is that... It's not like who you're attracted to is nothing to do with any sort of gender. It's just about a particular person. And it might be a man or it might be a non-binary person or a trans woman or whatever it is. It's just a person. And your type are generally queer types or people of difference. um, Whereas other pansexual people might be attracted to very heteronormative people. But it's just the fact that it isn't about the gender that attracts you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is really, that conversation really helps me to kind of get a, a bit of a grasp on the fact how 
there is a link. I mean, the, the typical thing that people say when they're trying to define all these things to maybe people who don't know so much about it, that gender and sexuality are very different things. And yes, they are in terms of the labels mm. that we use, but there is some intersection definitely between them. A hundred percent for me. I mean, it's funny, I've been marking essays and someone mixed up gender and sexuality and I was like these are two separate things for the purposes of an essay right so yeah there's a kind of um intellectual um conceptual side and for some people they might be different but for me it can't be really because if I identify as a post-binary person I can't be a lesbian can I because I don't well actually some people that's controversial some people definitely would yes but for, for me um both my gender and my sexual orientation are um the same thing and it, it well they're not the same thing but they're deeply connected yeah. because i am just other yeah. and i like being other yeah. and i like the other others and and that's what brings those two things together that's beautiful perfectly for me yeah <laughs> okay so, so so far i'm feeling all sorts of joy about okay. this conversation so far however um having said all that and talking about the other and being a person of difference um are, do you find there are challenges in, in your like everyday life or like are there things about like legal documentation or your passport or identity documents, things like that? Do you feel, how do you feel about that stuff? Do you feel like it doesn't really matter because it's just part of society and whatever or does it impinge on your like identity? Do you feel a challenge with that? Yeah, I mean, you're asking me personally. Yeah. Obviously, I think it is a really important thing for people to affirm their identity but if you're asking me personally um it's like you know my passport's got denise audrey rogers on it i don't feel (laughs) that person and um but it's fine it's a it's a document it doesn't that those things don't really cause me pain because my identity isn't a fixed sense of who i am it's a statement and a hope and uh, and um, that i do not want to be associated with these categories of of woman and, and man, I guess. Yeah. So the documentation, it's it's paperwork. Like I don't really like bureaucracy. Yeah. I've I've chosen um, to live in a uh, to work in a way that's quite different from a kind of that regular way. So it's fine. I need to engage with bits of bureaucracy to do things. So that that isn't a problem. But I do. I'm just so aware of this, and it, in some ways, it feels like it's getting worse. I feel so overwhelmed by the heteronormative world mm. and the neurotypical world and not not because of individual people but just because of the way things are still stacked up, all of the assumptions about what it is to be a man or, yeah. or a woman and those kind of stereotypical gender um, uh, characteristics and ways of interacting and the way we are meant to live and work and all of that, I feel sometimes like I'm deafened by it mm. and I think I can get quite grumpy. I Sometimes I feel bad because I think I've been very grumpy to some of my friends and family who like living in that world. Mm. They are, they are yeah. not normal people. I mean, they're extraordinary in other ways, but we're talking about gender and, and yeah, um, yeah. you know neurodivergence, I guess. And with the gender in particular... They love it. They love flirting yeah. with one another. Yeah. These are things I can't, I don't know what's going on. I can't, it makes no sense to me. I find it distasteful. I don't enjoy it. But they enjoy it. They're liking it. So I have sometimes been quite a rude person and saying kind of, ugh, how can you want to live like that? What a lot of rubbish kind of thing. So this is, I think I'm still on a journey of, I guess, I don't know, where, where, where do you just shut up and get on with it and live your own life? Know, and where yeah. do you think... Yeah, but I'm concerned about even, um, you know, my niece is only 25, but what about her grandchildren? Yeah. I want to do my bit if she yeah, has any yeah, kids, you know, yeah. if she says she's not actually, so forget her, the other one might. <laughs> but I feel it's not good. I feel yeah. it's not good. I feel that my vision for a kind of post-binary world is a bit more accepting and open. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, we've had this for so long, like in living memory, of course, but beyond that even... Um, and it's a lot of it is connected with capitalism. Um, there's been Absolutely. a lot of discussion about that and how that has shaped our 
aspirations as a society and what is deemed as like a good way to live yeah. and we've been brought up with that and it's only very recently that we've started to see i mean i'm a big believer in the fact that storytelling is an important way where mm. things change and like in the last five years um or so it's pretty much since disney plus started and i think disney plus have been part of a good change mm. um not perfect but there has been a change in storytelling that now incorporates people of difference whereas before yeah. everything was white and heteronormative yeah. and yeah. celebrating that to the max like every yeah. film that came out until well all but you know the yeah. odd one or two yeah. would have been all characters like that yeah. even the background characters were white heteronormative yeah. so we've got to a point now at last where we're starting to see different groups of people um coming from different um racial backgrounds and different um disability characteristics and so on as well as obviously gender diversity mm. and everything else so maybe there's you know it's going to be a big a big change but i think gradually we are moving towards that point maybe where people of difference are more recognizable and more familiar and so that a lot of those people that we knew growing up that have stuck in their heteronormative yeah. lifestyles maybe they just did that because they felt they had to and well yeah if we, maybe yeah. if they were young now they may not have followed that path. And well, we were saying earlier, like, so many of the young people, particularly the young women that we know, identify as queer in some yeah, way. Like yeah, it's, now it's... It's so much more. We're saying bisexuality is the new kind of... Yeah, default. Uh, you know, default setting. Um, so, yes, that would lead... Rather than, like, you know, which I think some um, far-right people would like like it to sound as if we've kind of infected yeah, these yeah, young people yeah. with our queerness. But the... You know, the more likely explanation is that a lot of people, you know, in difference in lots of different ways, they yeah. just didn't express it. That could be like, I don't want to get married and have a baby, but people ended yeah. up yeah, having yeah. to do that because, because it was the thing you to know, do. this yeah. is the thing to do. Um, and uh, yeah, not just storytelling in terms of big, yeah. I was describing, but also like online, that yeah. being able to find your people Definitely. and people that... Uh, there, there's very little way of regulating like what you see on yeah. um, Insta or TikTok or whatever. Yeah. So young people have access to yeah, like definitely. different ways of living. Yeah, But interestingly, what you're saying about capitalism, which I totally agree with, capitalism and the patriarchy, heteronormativity, they're all in a yeah. kind of big puzzle together. Well. Race, of course, yeah, white supremacy. Yeah, definitely. But I was thinking about, yeah, the Disney Plus thing, but also adverts on the telly. Yeah, I don't yeah, often yeah. watch... But there's a much better representation. But then I'm like, oh god, capitalism yeah, is yeah, co-opting. Yeah, yeah. Is it a trick? Or it's a trap? <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. Well, uh, this is where I was going. I think with this conversation yeah. and a bit about capitalism is there is inevitably pushback, you know, from this thing of like young people finding out more about different ways of living and being different and and like celebrating that diversity rather than just being scared of it and and conforming because you have to there's inevitably going to be a pushback from the massive infrastructure that capitalism is. Yeah. And it's going to be a bit of a fight to to break that down. I mean, I think, okay, we've gone off on a bit of a skew here, but yeah, hey, this is fun. my podcast. We can do <laughs> yeah. all we like. like, I think to survive, yeah. the human race has to bring down capitalism. Yeah. There's no yeah. other way that we're going to get through the next hundred years, I don't yeah. think, yeah. just from a climate, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as wars and yeah. civil wars and whatever else that's going to evolve out of it. And we are going to have a battle to get there yeah. and i think we're just at the beginning of it yeah um but yeah i think there's the young people are the ones that seem to yeah. be adapting and yeah. like resisting the traditional capitalist traps yeah there's hope so there is there is a lot of hope um i just hope that the backlash of but yeah. and the gender backlash actually yeah. i think yeah, there's yeah. always that I think what's that going concern on, that there could be this massive backlash. There, there definitely um, is. I mean, what's happening about trans women, and that's obviously the like inspiration of why I decided to do yeah. this podcast at all. There's an obviously there's a backlash against trans women for a decade or so during my first part of my transition. I'm not going to say life was fine, but mm. you know I was protected by the law. Mm. Uh, I felt like comfortable and safe to be anywhere and do anything I mm. wanted to do. Well, that's not true now, and that's because of this backlash. We've got yeah. an extreme right wing leadership at the moment. The opposition party are not that far off being right wing. 
And the same thing's happening in America. Mm. And obviously, our two nations, we're not the entire world, but mm. we're where we live and we're a big part of like how the world is sees itself and sees each other. And that I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. You know, that, that backlash. I'm not sure how it's happening or how it's happened so far. There seems to be a contradiction for me between my lived experience and the people that I meet in cities and in villages and, you know, in the countryside and everywhere I go, there seems to be a massive difference between those people and who is voting for these right-wing parties. But I don't think it's as simple as, like, these right-wing parties have been voted in by more than half the people. There's more to it. I think we'd have to look, pull the stats apart and look at who is maybe not inclined to vote or a lack of choice. We're going off on a a tangent, but I think think it's all all related. It's all relevant to this this current pushback, which we're seeing trans women are being you know, purposefully demonised in yeah. this. But it's obviously not just about trans women. Yeah. Um, and already in America, it's stopped being just about trans women because yeah. they are changing the way that gay people are spoken about yeah. and taught about in a negative way. Yeah. You know, they're like re- rewinding. And yes. this is under a Democrat, yeah. like White House, which yeah. is quite disturbing. So it's not just about the trans yeah. women. It is about difference in general and this pushback which i'm sure we will survive yeah, but definitely i mean that's why you know when you um invited me to do this i was so flattered but initially i thought am i worthy to do this oh, because yeah. i feel worthy now you've made me feel worthy but i was um you know i'm very mindful that i am not in danger of violence in the same way that you are and that many many uh, trans men and women are mm. because the worst thing that happens to me is I, I'm kind of invisible. I'm just a woman. I'm yeah. a middle-aged woman. That's the worst thing that happens. It's not dangerous. I mean, it can be dangerous to my mental health to have kind yeah. of, yeah. you know, there, there's definitely that. But it, but at the same time, I think ultimately I thought I just want to stand with the other others, like I've said, um, and I think that's the crucial thing. Mm that we kind of find common space and, and look after one another. And like with any group, any group of people, there's a lot of diversity in terms of experience, you yeah. know, and yeah. intersectionality and all of that. Like it's, it's lots of different things going on if you focus on one characteristic. But I think this is where I'm I'm very interested in the notion of positionality as opposed to identity, like where we are positioned um, because your identity can remain the same and like it can be fine to have that identity one year and two years down the line it's becoming very dangerous to have that identity you, yeah. you know you can even have privilege in one setting yeah you put yourself in a different situation you haven't got that privilege and you know so I think I'm very mindful of that um, and there is that risk of like um, a really bad binary you know uh, in terms of these horribly horrible polarized views that makes some of the most gentle people out to be predators and yeah, um, yeah. dangerous. And, you know, yeah. that, that really scares me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, my mind has been blown yeah. again. Yeah. I love <laughs> podcasts. We find out so much about each other and the world and ourselves. Yeah, mainly. definitely. Um, my last bit of each interview yeah. um, is about what I'm... I found this phrase, trans joy, which a lot of people have been using. Now, whether or not you feel like you're under the trans umbrella i secretly think you are um what brings you joy about your queerness or about your gender identity it's absolutely well firstly just feeling i can be myself i know Mm. that's a very kind of trite thing to say but um it's 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 felt like a struggle and i do feel very lucky now i'm i'm in a life with people in my life where i can breathe and be myself now being myself isn't always easy but I don't have to contort myself in the way I did when I was younger and I think the other thing is is I'm so happy that you've invited me to do this I feel really yeah I feel a sense of kinship with you and it's I do have a sense of kinship with with lots of people often neurodivergent people and queer people trans people 
Um, so, you know, there's a real joy in having grown up feeling so different. I, I knew lovely people. I don't want to make out I was friendless, but feeling the only one that was like me. Yeah. And then discovering. Now I know my brother's a bit like me as well, but we, <laughs> we didn't know that, you know. And now feeling that there's lots of people I can just have a conversation with and not have to translate, put it through the, you know, yeah. translating <laughs> yeah, yeah. machine or or dumb it down or change it in yeah. some ways. And I find I can have those conversations with queer people and trans people very often, yeah. as is very often the case, that there's a connection. And so that brings me a lot of joy. Plus there's loads of great music and culture and all oh, that kind yeah. of thing. That's something that hasn't come I up on this that. podcast yet, but that is absolutely bang on. Well, a couple of days ago, I, um, with my friend, put in a bid for Arts Council Wales funding um, to make a show called A Brief History of Difference. We did a little tester of it with some very talented people um, last year. So if we get it, we'll be doing that. Um, and that will kind of explore some of the things that yeah. we're talking about here. Now, I would, I would never have done anything like this if I yeah, wasn't yeah, thinking yeah. through these ideas and kind of engaging with this and meeting other people of difference because the whole team are different in some way. I think there's something another. about like creative people are very often like people of difference so. in some yeah. way, you know. Because yeah. yeah. I think it kind of maybe we're, it makes us curious yeah, and it makes us want to express ourselves I love that. in different ways. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I have had my mind blown again and I'm so happy. <laughs> Thank you, Bromwell. I'm really glad that you didn't mind driving across Wales. It's and... been wonderful. Um, and yeah, I'm, just, I'm so grateful um, for you inviting me oh. uh, to do this. It's been right. really wonderful. And Brilliant. there's so much I have to think about now on my drive home. <laughs> so... <laughs> All those things yeah. that you could have said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bowen. Wow, what a conversation. I absolutely love spending time with Dee and I just learned so much. I hope you enjoyed it too. And don't forget, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're listening on and you'll get a notification about when the next episode is out. I will see you next time for another edition of Trans Talks. <laughs>